Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining this week's edition of the Master Instructor Roundtable. I'm Marty Miller here with co-host, dear friend, Wendy Batts. Wendy, how's everything going today? Uh, it's going great. It's chilly here, though, Marty. I'm dressed up like an Eskimo. So. <laughs> it's it's chilly-ish here. I'm in South Florida, but it's what? I think it's 53 out. So it's a comfortable chilly. We enjoy that down here in South Florida. We don't get it for like about a week or two. Yeah, well, I lived in Arizona for a really long time. So being 27 here in Atlanta, it's a little chilly for me. I don't like it. <laughs> All good. It'll go away soon. It'll go away soon. Yes, yes. Well, today's topic, obviously, you can see on the screen, we're going to talk a little bit about metabolic conditioning. I know Marty and I have talked a lot about this topic because some of my favorite exercises uh, are combinations of a lot of high intensity type exercises put together. And so this is, a, I think, a good time to step back and really look at more of the science and think about the purpose and why we do metabolic conditioning with some of our clients. When is it appropriate? Can everyone do it? So we're going to discuss a lot of that today. Yeah. And Wendy, I noticed the phrase you said, your favorite exercises. Is that a caveat, your favorite exercises to prescribe or to do? Um, both, actually. When I tried to do them, they put a little bit of a beating on myself. And uh, it, it actually, we did something for the NASM Performance Channel a while back. And I had my two dear friends, um, Andy Hanley was there and Ken Miller, and we did some leg circuits. And we had different variations of boxes. We did all three planes of motion. And by the time we had it, because one time it wasn't, the uh, video wasn't on. And unfortunately, our, our videographer is like, y'all have to do this again. And we thought we were going to die. So we did it multiple times. And I think the time that we actually got the video right, uh, we looked like we were just done, just absolutely done. <laughs> I wish I could have been there to record with you. That oh, time. my goodness. So anyone that wants to see it, it will it will show. So. <laughs> But I think it's important to when we, you know, we talk a lot about fundamentals and fundamentals like fundamental movement patterns, the way our body and our, our sources and everything uh, come together and play a role in our programming. I think we need to talk a lot about the energy systems as well as the different varieties and intensities that you can place in your programming. So when we look at the energy system and development, we're targeting the energy systems, primarily the aerobic, so oxygen dependent and anaerobic, so without oxygen pathways, we're doing both. And so it's gonna involve exercises and um, workout structures that are gonna challenge both systems. And therefore it's gonna help your clients improve their efficiency and their capacity when you're putting them up into it more of an extreme type um, exercise selection, if you will. So I think when we're looking at programming, we need to kind of step back because not everyone's gonna start here. And so if you're new to NASM, you're kind of new into to your programming, this is kind of sometimes looked at as like a hit type workout. But I think we have talked a lot about doing like metabolic type exercises. I call them metabolic blasts throughout a program too, and little bits of something. And then later on, combining those into one thing, I think really does help the client start to gain confidence in what they're doing. But then, too, when you're really trying to um, have the client get into a, an exercise that is going to challenge their body at a higher rate for a longer period of time, you've worked yourself up to that um, little by little. Yeah, and I think the importance of all this, Wendy, is, you know, we've talked about, you know, my three rules of fitness, right? Do no harm, give them what they want, why they give them what they need and have fun. These leg circuits absolutely fit right into that philosophy because, 
you know, you don't have to start at high intensity, right? High intensity is obviously on a scale. Let's not make high intensity, hard, hard intensity. So Wendy, you've got great combinations and things you do with the speed ladder. People can even walk through those at first, get even into, you know, a moderate movement just to learn the neuromuscular coordination of the patterning before you really apply those at the higher level from a metabolic standpoint. But the fact that you're getting people to think, the fact that you're getting the change direction, it will make it fun. And they do need to do this, right? And then before you know it, they're moving at a higher intensity where their heart rate's getting up and you're really now uh, making it more challenging. And people will tend to work harder during these type of activities than just putting them on a treadmill, hitting the big green start button and expecting them to know how to work harder. Well, two points to that too, Marty, I think it's important to remember when we start talking about some of these exercise combinations and selections that we do, it's done at an intensity and a variation of what the client can control. And so sometimes we're like, we want you to do this all out as hard as you can, as fast as you can. And that's really not the kind of coaching cues you want to give. You want to start out like to your point, can they do the movement correctly? Is it slow and controlled? Is their body able to withstand that movement pattern before you start speeding it up and going into these high intensities? And so as you can even see on the slide here, we're looking to elevate someone's heart rate and push their metabolic limits. But then if you've done any kind of cardiorespiratory assessments, you're going to see where do they fall within the, you know, the five different zones, um, because this would be more along the lines when you're starting to do some of these combos that would push someone into maybe zone four, zone five. And so, you know, thinking about, you know, different types of equipment that you may use, whether it's sleds and rowers and everything like that, start them light and control into zone one, into zone two. And again, all of this is outlined in your book of how you find those different zones and intensities. But if you don't have access to that or you don't have time, think about the RPE scale mm -hmm. of being able to talk with someone. Can they hold a sentence? Are they labored breathing? Are they almost at their max? And then you're going to have to decide, is that appropriate for your client, given where they are in their program? Right. It's all about where they're at, where they need to be and using those tools to make sure that people move along accordingly. So, but you know, Wendy, we've talked about this before and we both know this that metabolic conditioning, especially when we're doing these leg circuits, they can be very time efficient. Not everybody has 45 minutes at the end of a workout or in other days to put their cardio in. So, you know, metabolic conditioning, we're going to be shorter in duration, intense again on the right scale of intensity aiming to maximize caloric expenditure and that metabolic rate during and after the session. We all know, you know, what you feel like after those uh, more challenging conditionings, right? Post-exercise uh, post oxygen consumption, the EPOC, where you're sweating even after you took your shower, if you don't cool down <laughs> enough, right? There's that caloric expenditure after the fact, which is great. And then your point here with adaption and progression, you know, this allows the body to adapt to the type of training, becoming more efficient at utilizing energy sources, improving their cardiovascular endurance, and then that capacity for work. And, you know, if you look at any type of sport, right, and I think it was Vince Lombardi that said it, so we're going way back even before I was born, that, you know, fatigue makes cowards out of us all. Now, he was talking about sports, right, and what happens under fatigue and when you and I have trained elite athletes. But in anything we do, when fatigue sets in, your body starts to talk to you and you start to think about, okay, how much more do I want to push through? So doing, doing these leg circuits really will increase your cardiovascular output and you're going to get better results no matter what your overall goal is.
Yeah, and I think the purpose of, of today's Master Instructor Roundtable with myself, Wendy Batts, and Marty Miller, we really, when we're talking about metabolic conditioning, we want to try to make sure we're structuring things correctly within the programs that we're designing for our clients. So proper movement patterns, obviously, first, then doing more simple movements. Um, and it can be something even like, you know, a rower machine where it's a machine that's going to help guide that movement pattern or even running stairs, anything that's going to elevate the heart rate, to, you know, for the client to burn and maximize the amount of caloric uh, expenditure that they're using. So therefore, especially if they're a weight loss client, there's going to be a lot of benefit. But then people always say, well, is this mainly for weight loss? And to your point, Marty, it can be for everyone because everyone needs to work on their heart health. Everyone does need to, to work in different zones. Everyone needs to think about challenging in the, with the programming. And, you know, there are so many different ways to do metabolic conditioning. You can do Tabata training. If you only have, you know, you're doing eight circuits, so you're getting this done in less than what, what is it, you know, 10 minutes or less if you do a warm up and a cool down, or even a Tabata inspired workout where it's 20 seconds as hard as you can, zone, you know, four or five, and then resting for 10 seconds and repeating for eight rounds, or, you know, on the minute, every minute, or every minute on the minute, whatever it is, <laughs> the EMOMs. So, so just bearing up the programs that you do with your clients, it makes it again, more fun and engaging. So when we start thinking about these different types of um, exercises and combinations we may put together, you're going to have to see what makes sense for your client. But then if somebody complains about time, you have other options and things to, to give to them that maybe they can do on their own to help them increase um, their ability to do some of this stuff with you at the gym. Absolutely. No, great points, Wendy. So let's talk about real quickly the purpose of metabolic conditioning outside that it's fun and, you know, it, it gets a good buzz in the gym and within your facility. But, you know, truly the scientific point of this is we want to improve cardiovascular health, enhance heart and lung function, improving endurance and overall cardiovascular health. Now, Wendy, you and I have done, if people go back on, you know, our traditional cardiovascular training, the different zones, VT1, VT2, there's a purpose for each type of conditioning. Let's not get that wrong. But getting somebody to work at a higher heart rate is critical, right? And a lot of people will never push themselves that way. So when you do it the right way, go through the phase of training and build them up towards these, they will be ready and they can get their heart rate to levels that they haven't had. And that recovery of the heart rate is a critical sign of cardiovascular health. And then maybe the, their why isn't necessarily to say, well, I'd like to be in great cardiovascular shape, which hopefully they do, but maybe it's fat loss and calorie uh, burn. A lot of clients will do these type of things strictly because they know they're going to burn more calories. Yes, we want them to focus on their cardiovascular health, but this will boost metabolism during and after the workout, which I already talked about, aiding in fat loss and calorie burning. And Wendy, I'll, I'll pause after this one for sure. It'll definitely build muscular strength and endurance. So like you use these with elite athletes for these last two bullet points. So it's going to change your ability to produce as an athlete. So if you want to jump in here and kind of uh, talk about these last two points, since you have such great experience with them. Well, you know, the, one of the, the reasons I'm such a huge fan about metabolic conditioning is because when you're working, especially with elite athletes, no matter what sport it is, there's amount of time that they're going to have to be at their max producing the greatest amount of force in the shortest amount of time, and also making sure that they're not going to get injured in the process. And so, as you just stated, 
fatigue, once it sets in, our brain, our body, everything starts to shut down. And if you're in the middle of a game, no matter if it's football, basketball, baseball, and you're giving, you know, you're going all out, whatever that may be, you're sprinting for a ball in the outfield and you're trying to catch it and turn and throw and make sure that you make the play. While that's very short and there, you know, meaning that short amount of sprint, maybe they're going to have to be able to recover and be ready for the next play. Same thing if they're on, you know, on the court and you're working with basketball players, how much time are they spending on the court and they're dashing back and forth, or maybe they, they steal the ball and they're running to the other side to make the shot. And they've got to be able to get their body ready for that particular jump and movement pattern. And so because of that, when you're starting to do metabolic conditioning, you've got to think of that aerobic need that that or that particular client or athlete must have in order to help their body be able to survive that game and then be able to recover faster to get ready for the next day. Because a lot of these are back-to-back games, especially, you know, in baseball, like sometimes they're a whole series where they're playing multiple nights in a row or in basketball, if they're in a tournament, they may only get one day or two day rest before they have to do it again. So, you know, I think it's important to think too, if you're working even with youth athletes, what does that sport demand? How quick do they have to be able to sprint? How much time recovery do they have in between that? Is it a play by play? Is it they do something, they get pulled and then they're on the bench and they have more time to recover. So if you can kind of sprinkle in, even though it may not be the exact thing they're doing in their sport, their body needs to be able to produce a lot of force and utilize the anaerobic anaerobic capacity and then be able to recover to do it again. So that's one of the reasons why I do place a lot of emphasis on metabolic blasts is because I know that the body needs to go from doing, you know, maybe zone one, zone two, which is walking the dog daily activities into something a little more strenuous and then being able to be very explosive in a short amount of time and then do it again. And I think if you can get your quote unquote, how they might think themselves non-athletes to do this, they may be shocked how they want to participate in other recreational sports at that point, right? Because they've kind of self-limited. But once they start there seeing that they can handle these stresses and move in multiple planes of directions, accelerate, decelerate without getting injured, they might go do something recreational. Yeah. And I trained a client this morning, actually. And, you know, she just turned 70. She looked amazing. And, uh, you know, I had her doing squat jumps into, you know, running the stairs and doing some of the different things that I do with some of my professional athletes who are just coming back and starting with me. And afterwards, I told her that and she was like, wait, you're kidding me. And so it was like a big boost for her because, yes, I knew that she could do it. I've been training her for a very long time and we do a lot of different types of blasts. But when you can say, listen, I've done this with my you know, elite professional athletes, um, it also makes someone's, you know, someone feel really good about themselves. So they can now do something that in the beginning she never thought she'd be able to do. Without a doubt. And that's the best part of our job sometimes. Mm-hmm. So when you look at the implementation considerations, Wendy and I've addressed a couple of these already, it has to be an individualized approach. And we talked about some of those things. But tailoring the workouts to suit individuals, their current fitness levels, age, health, training experiences, this is no different than any other part of the model you would use. So even if you're doing it in a boot camp type format, you could have level one, level two, level three. You could still coach, have the same type of drills but or same type of um, leg circuits, but maybe someone does one, somebody else does two. Somebody might do it for 30 seconds. Somebody might do it for 45 seconds. But you're going to still always tailor it to that individual or group of individuals as they fit into some certain buckets. Form and technique never changes. Just please understand as you go through higher levels of the model or more sets, more reps, longer duration, fatigue sets in and form and technique can break down. 
So keep the exercises simple. You don't have to come up with the most complicated exercises. The volume and the workload is going to create that um, complexity if you need it, if you want to look at it that way. It doesn't have to be how complex the form and technique need to be. Keep it simple. Let them move well so then they can move more frequently, longer, at higher intensities. And then it's that progressive overload. Take your time, gradually increase the intensity and difficulty. Does not have to be big jumps. We we recommend don't take big jumps in this and continually challenge the body and promote these adaptations that we know will come from it. Yeah, and I mean, progressive overload, that is the OPT model, guys. If you follow the model and, and you're still trying to figure out programming, because Marty and I understand we get more questions about how do you design a program than any other question we get from trainers. And the thing is, is if you get to understand the model and you just plug and play with the acute variables and you choose exercises, maintaining proper five kinetic chain checkpoints and doing things appropriately, it's a little bit more than just the resistance part. It's how are you designing things together? Are you doing a vertical load where there's no rest in between and then minimizing that rest period to increase someone's heart rate and then adding a, you know, like I said, a stair climb or a 30 second rower, or, you know, you're doing something like the assault bike. Uh, so little things like that is going to lead to, I think, a greater outcome with all of your clients. But in the beginning, if you're just not sure, just follow the model. It is mm -hmm. going to overload for you the correct way. If you're reassessing and the movement pattern is there, then again, you're going to be able to get them from st stability to strength and power the right way based on and science and research, not just Wendy and Marty. And then at that point too, you can start sprinkling in some of the exercises that you really enjoy doing, but understand that just because you enjoy it doesn't mean your client's going to enjoy it or can do it the correct way um, from the start. Exactly. Great tips. And don't make it too complicated. It's not that hard. And then often this is thought of as interval training, short repeated bouts of high intensity activity can be found to be highly effective, improving a lot of different health related factors. So again, as we've talked about, if you can get people to open up to this type of training, not only are they going to have fun, not only going to burn calories, but you're going to find other results. And you can see that it's all backed here by research. But you're going to see here that, you know, matching and sometimes surpassing results for functional capacity, which is tremendous, muscular power, fat and weight loss, other metabolic adaptations. When you're comparing this high intensity to moderate intensity, long duration exercise protocols, such as jogging, and not a lot of people can go out and jog, whether it's the time it takes, the boredom of it, the weather, or maybe even joint issues, but you'll be able to find ways to do high intensity metabolic um, circuits with everybody. And then yes. one last point here, and I'll turn it over to you, is the variety of exercise provided through interval training can increase their adherence, as I've talked about earlier, making a program fun and engaging. And that's backed by research. Yeah. And I think it's really important to realize, too, that, you know, your clients are only going to come to you if they're having a good time and seeing results. Mm -hmm. You know, you're kind of their their escape of what they're doing on the day to day. And now they're focusing on themselves. They're focusing on their fitness journey. They're trying to get, you know, looking better, feeling better, performing better, whatever their goals are that you sat down and found out with um, from the start in the very like the initial meeting with them. That's when you sprinkle this stuff in like, hey, you want to lose weight. This is going to help us. Why am I doing this? Have your whys, know the reasons and rationales for your choices. And that's with everything. But also let them have a good time because you know what? If you're you're racing them or if you're doing the speed ladder with them or you're doing different things, you're you're working the mind body connection. You're also working, you know, they're they're stimulated because you're you're involved with them. 
but they have to enjoy it or they're just never going to come back. So if they're sore, they're miserable, you did too much too fast and you really you didn't do a progressive overload, you just did an overload, then that's when we start to see people not come to the gym, make excuses and and then you you end up losing these clients. So make it fun, but also make sure that it makes sense. Without a doubt. And when you and I both know that sometimes um, in this industry, people will stick with programs that aren't scientifically sound if they're fun. So imagine if you're doing a scientifically sound program and you're making it fun. Now you've got the best of both worlds. Exactly. Exactly. And sometimes because it's fun doesn't mean they should. So just keep that in mind, too. <laughs> but you know what? When you're looking at metabolic conditioning, too, you can use it with everyone. And that's one of the things I say. If you're you're smart in your choices and you think about what you're programming, then this can be done with your elite athletes. Like I told you how I use it with mine. Obviously, your youth. Uh, they're already doing fun activities outside, playing kickball, playing whatever it is. They're running. They're doing things at school and on recess. So, you know, if you get to move with better quality, then that's going to help to reduce the chances of injury. And then, of course, you know, your weight loss clients, because it is going to increase their heart rate. They are going to burn more calories. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things, too, when you're programming, think about vertical loading. And remember, just vertical loading means you're going body part to body part with little to no rest unless they need it. And then at that po point, you're able to um, burn more calories, get more stuff done. You can do single joint exercises, multiple joint, which I like to do. You're going to be able to get more exercises in. So again, variety is there. But if not, just do whatever it is that you're doing for body parts. And then the last you know, little section of that before you give them the rest, maybe that's when you do something like um, the what Marty and I keep calling the leg circuits. And and it doesn't just have to be leg circuits. You can do upper body circuits. You can do where you're putting a bunch of different exercises in a little clump and they're doing it as fast as they can control. And then at that point, they finish whatever little circuit that is. So you can sprinkle it in throughout the workout. You can do it at the end. You can just decide if you want to, you know, kind of change it up and they just do it after one set and then they don't do it after each and every set. So, you know, this is where the creativity comes in and it also is going to be determined by what that client can handle. Yeah. And for those of you just joining in today on the Master Instructor Roundtable, Marty Miller here with Wendy Batts, my co-host. We're talking about metabolic uh, conditioning, metabolic circuits. And really, uh, Wendy does a great job with lower body uh, leg circuits. So, you know, this doesn't have to be just lower body, but it's the using the metabolic conditioning to make the workout more fun and improve the overall health of your clients. So as we move forward here, we'll continue with the conversation. And you, Wendy, we've touched on this. Let's hit it again because this is sometimes, you know, a very uh, easy point to overlook is start easy and move to more challenging exercises. Just because we want to move into higher intensity, I don't always want to say high intensity because <laughs> sometimes right. people jump right through progression. So higher intensity circuits, think about their starting position, change of position during the exercise. I've already talked and touched on it. Don't overcomplicate the exercises. Let the circuits work for you. And that way, we, you know, the, the rest intervals and the intensity will do the work. It doesn't have to be the most complicated exercise. And we will say this every single master instructor roundtable to the end of time. If we're talking about exercise, proper alignment, form, and technique have to be there. You're putting good quality movement into that person's body so that way they maintain that even under fatigue and then you know perform exercises in all planes of motion don't just make it sagittal plane based now you could start there 
then you move to frontal, then you move to transverse in a progressive manner. But I've also seen people do the other thing, Wendy, is day one, they have people doing things all kinds of, you know, in the transverse plane, and they would struggle in the sagittal plane. So keep it simple, reverse engineer it, and just understand you got plenty of times to make those little micro progressions. Very well said. <laughs> now, here are some examples, and these are examples that Marty and I kind of put together because they're the ones that we use probably the most. And when I keep talking about leg circuits, if you don't know what those are, you can choose four exercises that you think your clients can control and do exceptionally well before you have them do the circuit itself. And the reason I say that is if someone struggles with a squat and they have an asymmetrical shift, they have a low back arch, their feet turn out. They're not ready to go into doing a leg circuit that revolves some sort of air squat or prisoner squat. So you need to make sure to form is always there. And they're performing these exercises that you're going to see. And I'll talk about as fast as they can control back to back with no rest until you're done. And so an example of a leg circuit, I learned this from Dr. Clark in the very beginning of my coming out of college, had no idea what I was doing, but we would have all of our athletes at the very end of each and every workout do a leg circuit. And it was literally with the mindset of we're going to push you to the point of where you think you can't go. And we're going to show you that you can. And so once again, as long as they could do this with ideal form before we sped it up, we put this together and they would do 20 prisoner squats. They immediately go into alternating lunges, 10 on each leg. So 20 of those, then they would do 20, power step ups. So 10 on each leg and finish with 10 tuck jumps or squat jumps or some sort of jump for 10. So it was a 20, 20, 20, 10, and then rest. We would give them anywhere from if someone was new to this, a minute rest, and then we would have them repeat. And again, these were performed again in the very beginning with the sagittal plane, we would move them then into uh, the frontal plane and then into the transverse plane. But again, as fast as someone can control. So my leg circuit might be slower than Marty's or vice versa. It was never a race or a competition. It just needed to be completed. And that's one of the reasons I talk so highly of it, because it was something I was taught. And I, there was a lot of research behind why we did these blasts. But again, this is up to you and what you're going to do with your clients. And then, of course, Marty, you want to go into the rower and bike sprints. I know you even post that on your social media. Yeah. So, you know, there's different ways to do it. So, you know, I have a performance bike at home that I like, you know, so that way I can do my conditioning. I don't want to, I mean, I will do sprints on treadmills and things like that on occasion, but you know, after warm up, of course, I'll do 30 seconds on, see how many Watts I can get recover. Sometimes depending on the conditioning, it can be a one-to-one -one, or it can be a two-to-one where if I sprint for 30 seconds, I might rest for a minute. I might have to rest for a minute and a half, right? So the rest is longer. And then eventually if you're working through that metabolic system, you can go to one-to-one. -one. And then with something like the bike, I can say, okay, if my Watts are 400, I'm going to continue to do those sprints until I see more than a 20% drop, right? So if I do six sprints, I should hit 320 Watts or above. As soon as I'm under, I cap that number, give my rest. And then, you know, you could really work within programming there. Okay. I'm going to do four blocks of six sprints and I should always be at 320 Watts or above. Then you can either add a sprint, seven, you could sh uh, shorten up the rest interval, right? Or you bump up the wattage. So, you know, the, the, the implements like a rower and things like that, with the data, you can get even more scientific with it, right? 
Um, I have a rower at home. I love it. Same type of thing. I might do how many, uh, you know, meters can I get in 30 seconds? And I monitor that or how many strokes can I get at a certain wattage? And then do the same thing as I just explained with the bike, look on how many repetitions I can do before too much fatigue sets in, figure out how much rest I need to implement those again. So just tools you can use. Don't think it has to be just body weight, but you can. Then sleds are great. As you guys know, you know, I've been around products that have a treadmill that goes right into a sled. So you can use the data or you can use the weighted sled that you see on the um, screen. And what I would do, and just instead of having them push the sled, put two pieces of tape on the ground and stopwatch it. Okay, you got 15 seconds to get here, 45 seconds rest. You have 15 seconds to get back. And then when you start to see that degradation in performance, you know. And then, Wendy, you know, I know you love your burpees, but that's a total body power. But that is a very high level because if somebody drops to the ground, they shouldn't be collapsing. They should be doing a plank, you know, an eccentric plank to push up and be able to drive up almost to a plank before they would tuck their knees underneath them. So you may not get to a full burpee, but these are ideas that you can use. But I love the bike sprints, rowers, sled push, things like that. And then Wendy, I know you are a speed ladder queen for both <laughs> upper body and lower body. Well, yeah, I mean, think about this guys, the speed ladder itself, it doesn't matter if you're working with a senior because you've got to think about neurologically, they have to think about the patterning and it's fun. Sometimes people are really worried about doing speed ladders with, with seniors. And to me, that is the population where I think they can get the most benefit because especially if someone is starting to lose some of the motor control of their body, you want it to be safe. You want to make sure the environment's good for them, but it teaches them to pick up their feet. So a lot of times we see some of our, our seniors starting to want to shuffle their feet. And if you shuffle your feet in a ladder, it messes up the ladder. And then therefore you can say, okay, let's do it again. I want you to pick up your feet. So when we say as fast as someone can control the senior that learns needs to learn the pattern and picking up their feet, that may be just a casual, what we would think is like a walkthrough. And that's okay because that's what they can control. And that's what we're trying to do. And then later on, you can try to maybe speed it up or change the different patterning and variation. So I love it because again, with my professional athletes, I can go as they have a certain amount of time to get through this. If they mess up the ladder, they do it again. If they mess up the ladder this way. They mess up their feet or the patterning. They do it again. They do it again. They do it again until they get it right. And so, it, you know, people are like, oh my gosh, you're like killing me. I'm like, I'm not, you have to get this right because we want to make sure too that they're changing direction and doing things the correct way. And so, as you said with the, the burpees, Marty, I think it's really important to just reemphasize to Marty's point. Again, you are switching levels. You're going from face down prone position into an upright position. So it's very hard on your heart as well. So you want to make sure someone can hold a plank, somebody can do a tuck jump, somebody can do this before you have them go into burpees as hard and as fast as they can quote control. So work into the proper leveling and then do things slow and controlled. Make sure when they're doing the burpees, the feet don't turn out, their knees don't go out. You know, you have to make sure you're coaching them correctly along the way before you have them start to implement some of the ones that you're going to see here on the slide. Couldn't agree more. Great points, Wendy. You know, and as we move through the metabolic conditioning here, let's talk about the versatility and effective training method that can go through all levels. So beginner to advanced, there's always a way to put these into place. Be creative in the program, but have a plan. It's not just random exercises. We've already given you some examples. Absolutely, the rest is necessary. These are not to be done back to back to back to back. 
where, you know, in boot camps, it's like almost a badge of honor if someone gets sick or nauseous. That's, we're going through science here. We're, we're not looking to bury somebody, to break somebody down. We're looking to push them to the level that they can handle, let them recover and come back and do that again until form and technique breaks down or they're not recovering. And then give client input on what they enjoy. This without a doubt will aid in the compliance and they're wanting to do these type of circuits. Exactly. Or if, you know, they're, they're always late, you know, some people are like, oh, I use this as a punishment. I don't ever want my clients mm -hmm. to feel like they're punished. But at the same time, I'm like, well, you know, you were five minutes late. That means there's another leg circuit in your future. And they're like, oh, man, you know, but again, it's more we just do it as a joke or we do it for fun. Or, and I know that I'm going to push their limits because what that means to me is we're running shorter on time. If I do these combinations or different circuits, then I know I'm going to get more, you know, bang for my buck because I'm running out of time. And so you use this for your, you know, to your advantage but make sure you understand everyone's zone, their heart rates. I think a lot of times in the beginning, it's important if you have the ability to wear a heart rate monitor, think about the RPE scale. That's one of the things I, I want to emphasize because we don't want to push them past their limit too fast. But we want to ensure that when we are doing some of our programming, that we hit all three zones. If they're not doing some cardiorespiratory or cardiovascular type of um, exercises on their own because now we have to include that into our programming and this allows me to do both. And so we do these to kind of give you guys some ideas and, you know, just don't go and do too many things at once too fast. Without a doubt, keep it simple. So <laughs> Wendy, I think we just did a good wrap up and conclusion there. Yeah. I think the, the most important part is focus on the fact that you need to improve someone's metabolic conditioning but it has to be within ideal form and posture, right? We know the five kinetic chain checkpoints. Those always have to be in a line. Progress, right? Keep it simple. Move through the phase of training, the planes of motion. Start with something very simple and let them earn the right to go more. And then I think that, you know, get creative with the tools you have around. And then from there, when you program it within the model, I think you're going to have a lot of fun, a lot of success, and you're going to see compliance with your clients. And they're actually going to kind of want to do these because there's no doubt the science shows the physiological benefits you're going to get. Yeah. And when you see them be able to do something they didn't think they were going to be able to do, then that also increases their excitement. And, mm -hmm. you know, we obviously want to make sure that they're having quote a good time, but it, they can also see how they progress. The first time you ever do a leg circuit, if you do it, like, like I have written, you're going to see it's very, very difficult. By the time you get to the tuck jumps, if you're not about to feel like you can't get them done, you didn't do them hard enough or fast enough. And so that literally is supposed to take what's left and wring out your legs. So I, I challenge all of you guys to start doing some of this stuff on your own first. So you get the understanding and your body feels how hard it really is. And then therefore you're going to know how your clients are feeling when you have them do their do these because you've been there, you've already done it and you know how taxing it can be. Plus it helps you as a trainer when you're designing a program of what kind of timing and rest you needed. And then you're going to have to think, okay, where are you in relation to your client and, you know, fitness and, and, and overall health, because you're going to have to give longer rest periods maybe, or you're going to have to give bigger breaks. Yeah. Great points, Wendy. And, you know, you'll see our contact information up here, you know, both our emails and uh, Instagram handles. So Wendy, if you want to just give that out for people that are listening. Yeah. If you guys have questions, you can always contact Marty and I. So you can email us uh, or email me specifically at wendy.bats at nasm.org, or you can find me on Instagram at wendy.bats13. 
And mine's coming right up here. So Instagram, dr.martymiller72. And then email marty.miller at nasm.org. So Wendy, great information. Thanks for putting this together. And you've got a lot of expertise in torturing. I mean, training people this way. <laughs> but I, I do oh, hope that it's a little bit of both. I hope everyone uh, starts to implement these the right way. So for those of you that joined in today, can't thank you enough. Feel free, reach out, let us know what you want us to talk about. But we really look forward to seeing you on the next week's Master Instructor Roundtable.